evening, everyone. I am so thrilled that you're back for another episode of my podcast, Mid Moms and More. And I really appreciate your continu continued support and your encouragement. And tonight, brace yourselves because we have an amazing podcast. And my very, very, very special guest is someone who has been so instrumental in mentoring midshipmen and sailors throughout his long and wonderful career. And including uh, probably my oldest son, who he came across at one point or another, and many other midshipmen. Master Chief, I want to thank you for serving our nation. Secondly, I want to thank you for being a mentor to sailors in the fleet. And thirdly, which is our focus here, I want to also thank you for being a mentor to our midshipmen at the U.S. Naval Academy. So Master Chief Jeff Kirby, welcome. If you want to introduce yourself, that would be great. Well, thank you for the opportunity to uh, to reach back out and and make an impact there at the Naval Academy. You know, my name is uh, Jeff Kirby now, the retired Command Master Chief of the United States Naval Academy. I served uh, the Navy for 33 years. Um, 12 of those years was as the senior enlisted advisor to the uh, commander. So that was uh, uh, the commanding officer of each of those units. As the senior enlisted advisor, my job was not only good order and discipline, policy, training, development, personally and professionally of the chief's mess, as well as the sailors, but it was also to um, make sure that the unit reached the commander's intent and the goals, making sure that um, we followed everything and, and achieved all of our missions. The Navy family has been very important always as our sailors deploy and go where we're asked to go, our families um, take up the slack and run the home front. And, and in this case, for our brand new class of 2022, the, the, the moms and dads out there that whose kids are getting ready to get service assignments, you are experiencing some angst, I'm sure, some joy, some, some nervousness of what's gonna happen, and that's all expected. And I think that hopefully this process tonight um, we can clear up a couple of things. My background was aviation. I was an aviation logistician and did aircraft carriers, squadrons, and a frigate as the command master chief. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's trying at times. It's long hours, but I think overall in the end, it's worth it. And I thank each of you for allowing your kids to go on and pursue their, their goals. So um, with that, I'll just say that I'm speaking on behalf of, of myself, not the United States Naval Academy. I'm enjoying being retired. I do miss Annapolis. It's so much fun there, as all of you all know. But uh, the midshipmen that I affected from the classes of 17 through 21 and being an honor grad of the class of 20 myself, I get to hear all of their stories as they're now out in the fleet as ensigns and second lieutenants. And now the, the first classes are already up to 03. So it's, it's, it's pretty impressive. Time flies. Yeah, let's just uh, go ahead and jump right in. Yeah, it, it, time does fly. And I had forgotten that you are an honorary member of the class of 2020. My, my second mid was one of the virtually commissioned, which I always say. So thank you. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's, I'm so happy to hear that. I'd like to begin with your role as a mentor. So you were a wonderful mentor to midshipmen during their journey and as they prepared for the Naval Fleet or Marine Corps. And what are some key things that you discussed with mids to better prepare them for the road ahead? I could say probably the number one 
question that I would get from a midshipman. And it didn't matter if they were going Marine Corps or Navy, they would ask, and I had to remind myself that it's the Navy and Marine Corps team all the time. How, how is that per first relationship? How do I know that I'm going to have a good chief or gunny that's going to make sure that they keep me on track and everything like that? And so I would tell them a lot, don't be afraid of that relationship, knowing that you're the senior person. You may be young, but you're still the senior person in that relationship. It makes you vulnerable. You have to have a little bit of humility in that. And that you have to open yourself up to understanding what's going on. Mm -hmm. So you, you don't watch in, march in with the bravado that, you know, here I am, the newly commissioned officer, and I have all the answers and what you're telling me, and you're going to listen to what I'm going to say. That's going to take you down a path you don't want to go down. Mm -hmm. So I would tell them to have open and honest discussions, mm -hmm. sit down with them, give them a little bit of perspective, talk about where you're from, find out where they're from. You, It's key as a leader in the military to know who works for you and know about their families and, and their desires, how long they've been in, where they want to go, all of those things so that you can make sure that you're, you're, uh, you're achieving that, you know, because their success is your success. So um, I would talk to them about that a lot. I would also talk to them about listening more than you speak. I used to tell people, I said, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. <laughs> and you want to make sure that until you're qualified, you know, you have to prove yourself. And, and that could be challenging because you figure, I just proved myself at the Naval Academy or at my, my secondary school. If you were able to go on and finish your, your master's degree before you got out to the fleet, then you, you're, you're like, I'm proven. What are you talking about? It, but but you're, you're not. You still have to get the qualifications at the command that you're assigned. And that's your number one job. So focusing on the local level triad, I used to call it, which was DIVO, LCPO, and first class, and then taking that down to that deck plate level and making sure that they understood their role in that. And so, yeah, I got a lot of questions about it. Uh, I got a lot of feedback once officers got out to the fleet um, that it, things went highly well for most of them. Um, some would write me back and say, yep, it's not going so good, what can I do? And, and I appreciate that part of the mentorship too, that they know they have somebody that they could reach out to and ask. And that's when you know you've really made a difference in somebody's development when they continue to reach out and ask you something. So I think that goes both ways up and down the chain of command. And so for new officers, I think that's a key thing too. Thank you, Master Chief. That is uh, so in insightful and so very, very true. So I remember when my oldest went to his ship 30 days out from commissioning and all of a sudden he, he thought he was going cyber because he had Commission cyber and that's what mm -hmm. he had supposedly been assigned to and gets to the ship and they're like no no you're going to be over engineering and he's like what, what do you mean he's like no you're going to be and not just one plant you're going to be over both plants mm -hmm. and he's like mom I don't think they saw my thermograde <laughs> <laughs> no they didn't <laughs> and then we had to send him the, his books on thermo because we had them at home mm -hmm. and ship them out so that he could like review things. And, and that's exactly what he did. And we drilled into him and into our daughter and now into our youngest. Ask your master chief, ask your master chief, ask your master chief. Yeah. And they will help you. And that's what he did. And, uh, and he had a great, well, not great in the sense it's a lot of hard work, but he had a, a very good deployment. He was able to get his uh, SWO pin in less than a year uh, because he had, because he kind of uh, took that mentality that you're talking about where he knew he didn't know a lot. He didn't want to seem 
uh, disingenuous. So he would go and ask questions and of, of any, anybody and anything. And even the enlisted that were working on the plant, that were working on the water desalination plant, he would ask them, well, how does this work? Well, you know, what, what happens with this? And so he really got, took a genuine interest in their job. And I think it, it made a difference. So I, I echo your words completely. Yes, that's hundred percent. And and for the parents too, that that kind of dialogue in between, you know, supervisor, subordinate, leader, whoever, you're you're really finding that common ground. And when they see that you ask and you're listening on the feedback and on the questioning, you get the buy-in a lot faster than if you just act like you know everything and and spout off answers and then you're wrong. So so yeah, hundred percent. Um, so moving more toward the main service community. So you mentioned some of the key questions that MIDS asked. And as we look toward service assignments, there are, there are some service communities that they're going to be assigned to, such as your community aviation and my daughters as well, SOBS, Marine Corps, SWO, Surface Warfare Officer. There's also EOD. There is SEALs. And then there's supply. And then there are some other communities that are not as well known. Can you talk a little bit about the specific communities from your experience? Sure. Let's take them one at a time. Okay. Um, and, and say, I think it'd be easier for those parents that are looking for everybody wants um, their son to be Tom Cruise and, and go be a <laughs> fighter pilot. But uh, <laughs> Tom, I'm showing my age, Tom Cruise. But uh, if no, you... no, he's so popular. He's so popular, <laughs> Master Chief. <laughs> I saw he just did the commercial for Navy uh, the other day at um, uh, what was it on Saturday during um, the uh, ESPN? Was he it the, the ES... Oh the yeah, yeah, he did. He did, yeah. and he was also a co-member of the class of 2020, an honorary oh. member. Outstanding. So um, yeah, but in the aviation side, you know, it's a really long pipeline, about two years before uh, you're finished. And that that entails a lot of stuff with quotas and billets in Pensacola. Weather can be a factor and making sure that you're getting your flights on time down there. Things that I've heard officers that are, you know, waiting to class up once they get down there. Um, so, So aviation is one of the ones that is a long pipeline. Your grades there in the flight school play a heavy role into which community you'll go into as as well as the quotas. And so I used to tell them, cause they're like, well, how can I get the P8 or how can I get the fighter or a helicopter? And I used to tell them, if you're getting orders out of flight school after graduation, what, what kind of orders are they? Well, they're good orders. That means you passed flight school and you're gonna be a Naval aviator. <laughs> so whatever those orders are to whatever platform that is, go be the best person at it that you can. And, and that's how you really have to look at uh, the Navy in general with billets and assignments and everything throughout your career. Maybe it is time that you're gonna take that bad set of orders somewhere, but you're gonna get a good set somewhere else. Um, so on the aviation side, on community height, I know plays a role in one of them. You know, you can't be too tall to get into a certain cockpit. Um, your arms have to be a certain length. You know, I'm getting into some of the specifics, but they, for, they'll find is that all... for like um, more for jets, right? Because right. they have to be able to fit in the cockpit or no? Is, yes, exactly. And the same with helos. Your feet, you, you have to have the hand-eye coordination of your feet, movement with your hands. And so a lot of stuff happens and that all happens down in Pensacola. 
Um, so I think they should just, you know, you, you want to start with select aviation and you're fortunate enough to, to do that through the academy, celebrate it, and then worry about the rest at the next level. Uh, surface warfare would be the next one, I guess, uh, mm -hmm. unless you have something else for me to talk about. No, nope, that's perfect. Surface warfare, you know, you have the nukes woe. So if you become a nukes woe, you're only going to deploy on nuke ships. So, you know, that would limit on your ability on serving on certain platforms. So you want to make sure that you're aware of that. And, and obviously grades are a huge role there because you have to be uh, pretty intelligent and, and on the higher end of the, of the scale to, to deal with that. That's why you get a, a serious um, enlistment bonus and sign on once you pass all of those things. They you have to go to a nuke school, right? You have to go to nuke school down in Charleston. That's a long school too. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. The four years by the, by the bay there, um, turn into six really fast before you right. get out in some places, depending on your community. So quick question, does the time, does the service time start counting after they finish their training or is the, because I know for aviation, the two years of flight school does not count toward their it service. It doesn't count. Correct. So right. their service begins once they've received their assignment and finished flight school. To, to, yes, to my knowledge, that is correct. I think so. Now, the SWOL community, I, I used to tell people, if you, if you loved your time on the YPs and your summer cruises that you got to go on, I know the last year and a half, two years of summers were kind of messed up, but yeah. if they got to do their summer cruises when they were supposed to and enjoyed a certain platform that they were on, that's normally when they get their first taste of, okay, I definitely, this is what I'm leaning towards. And then back on the yard, the ad faculty advisors and their grades and then in, in, into what their major is, is also aligning them into what field they're going to go into. So understanding that for the parents that, that don't have your background and, and, and know all of that stuff. For the SWOs, I used to tell them, now, once you get your platform, okay, then, then you got to think, where do you want to be stationed? Because you're mm -hmm. going to select your ship as a SWO. And we know ship selection is a phenomenal, awesome, amazing time in Alumni Hall. And I tell them every year, Spain's going to go. Spain goes fast. <laughs> yes, it does. And I always like to say that ship selection is like the NFL draft without it the money. <laughs> well, they changed that a couple of years before I got there. That, that's when that segue started with like mm -hmm. the draft environment. And it's just so much fun. It's, it's so amazing. Exciting. It's so exciting for the midshipmen. They get to, you know, what the parents and the people that aren't on the stage and in the auditorium see is their name is on a screen, like their hobbies are there, their nickname is there, where they grew up. So you their get favorite up, you song? Go, yeah, their, their walk-on song. I mean, they're like little celebrities. So it is a fantastic for them. And then they select their ship and some of the, I used to invite COXO, CMCs out, um, you know, the professional development pro dev captain that's on the yard does that his staff handles his or her staff i should say handles those invitations to make sure that people are represented hey if your ship has a billet that's coming up like you want to get there and, and welcome this new officer to your ship it's it's a fun time but i tell them hey you know once you get the platform you, you got to start thinking about where are they stationed or maybe you're like me i joined the navy to see the world and go wherever i I needed to go to enjoy myself. You don't care what kind of ship it is because you want Spain and you're going to go if you're qualified <laughs> for that one that's there, that's where you're going. Or you're going to right. Japan and parents go, what? Your first duty station is going to be in Japan. I'm never going to see my baby. 
<laughs> no, you have to go visit. Well, you know, with COVID exactly. restrictions, but yeah. No, that's what I was going to say is, you know, my first orders, I was in ADAC, Alaska. I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. That was way too far for my parents to come out and visit. And we couldn't have the civilians out on the island anyway. But if I was in Hawaii or San Diego or, or Greece when I was stationed there, come over. Absolutely. Right. Go visit them when they're in these places and enjoy their career that way. It's a, it's a different level of support and encouragement that can help them out as well. Platform and location, if you're a SWO. That's what you're, you're, they should be concerned about. Next up should be, do you think Marines? Uh, yes. Okay. So for the Marines, I, and this, again, this is Jeff's opinion for those that are listening. Cause I know that this, there was a senior Marine on the yard. There are, there's a staff of Marines that you know, that we have there at the Academy. Some are SELs in, in Bancroft Hall. Uh, a lot Master of, Chief, for those that don't know, what is SEL? Oh, okay. Good call. Yeah. Uh, me and my acronyms, the senior enlisted leaders, uh, that are the, the company officer and the, the company enlisted. Okay. So all 30 companies have an officer and enlisted in charge of them. Um, and, and that person, you know, is evaluating and everything else too. So Jeff's joke while I was there was that the Marines are always recruiting. And I would tell plebes or I would tell uh, youngsters, if you want to be a Marine, you better go where the Marines are. They're on almost every sporting event. They're, they're either a faculty advisor or a coach. So they see you out there. They know what your limitations are. They know what you can and can't do. That's a, a segue, if you will, to teamwork, being, being an athletic person. And the Marines are all about the teamwork piece, you know, because that's what you are. You're, you're that small unit. And, and the esprit de corps that comes with it is phenomenal. And I used to say to uh, Colonel Smitherman and, and the other Marines that were on the yard, I go, you guys do the best recruiting. If, if I looked at the Naval Academy and said, these are the best of the best, the Marines are pulling the best of the best of them <laughs> to be a Marine. It's true. And now there was a, there was um, I think you were there. Was it Colonel Shea? Mm -hmm. That was Commandant, I believe, at one point. Oh, oh no, yeah, no. The, uh, we had Lazuski. Lazuski, but there was a female. I don't know if she was Commandant, but no, not Commandant. Well, not uh, we. We haven't had that in 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 uh, in a while. But we okay. had the. So the, she the... she was somewhere in the leadership chain, and yes. she was. I think, I mean, she was a colonel. I don't know. She was very high up. I don't remember, but I, I remember her name. Mm -hmm. And she was always out there talking to all the midshipmen and bringing them, trying to get them to go Marines. Yeah, it, it's, I, I used to I'd laugh about it, you know, in a joke, I'd be like, you guys are the best recruiters. They just are. But every community wants to have that pride and ownership. And, and when you're out in the field over there at Quantico, you really do get to know their strengths and weaknesses and whether or not they'll be able to cut it. And what a great opportunity to, to be able to decide that before you get somebody that can't cut it. So I, I applaud them for those efforts. So that's the Marine Corps. And I think most like SEALs, they come into the academy and they're like, I'm going to be a Marine, period. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I'm going to be a SEAL, period. And you're like, okay, what's your second best? If you can't be one of those, you know, 39 SEALs this year, it's SEAL or nothing. Oh, that's not how it works here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Marine Corps or nothing. Oh, that's not how it works. Those are the few that don't get their first choice and and then they're really hurt as to why. And like I said, it is the best of the best. And the competition is pretty fierce. So mm -hmm. speaking of being well-rounded, like you were talking about with your son, 
get involved. You can help out parents, you know, youngster parents, second class year parents, tell your kids, what are you involved in? What extracurriculars are you doing besides your grades? Grades aren't everything, but yes, grades, grades help. And, and they are really, most of the midshipmen that I knew are very hard on themselves if they don't have a good GPA. And, and they'll spend a lot of time at the Midshipman Development Center trying to get their grades up. And at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but don't, it's, it's a juggling act because you have to do it all. And then you got to be in sports and, or you have to be on, on a team that's doing something or you're volunteering somewhere else or right. you're in the choir or you're, you're, you're helping out with, you know, drum and bugle corps, you're doing something. And so yeah. you want to be able to, to continue to do that as well. Yeah, it is so. it's important to be well-rounded. Right. Um, for sure. And so we come to kind of our last subs. So the submarine uh, community, again, highly intelligent uh, community, not saying that they all aren't, but clearly you're going to have to pass nuke school and you're going to have to pass uh, sub school, spend some time in Groton, Connecticut, and you're going to, you're going to. Is that what they call prototype? Is that the one uh, up there? Yes. I think. Mm. I think it is. Yes. And that's a very long pipeline as well. It's uh, pretty intensive. But some people, I, I know myself, I was after touring a couple of submarines, I said, oh, I made the right decision to be in aviation. <laughs> but but, uh, but subs would tell, submariners would tell you, oh, really? Yeah, well, we like to shoot things out of the sky or, or on the surface. So we made the right decision. Oh, you're correct. Yes, you can. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, they're, and they're a very, they're such a small, I think they're a much smaller community than the others. So they tend to be a very tight knit community and very supportive of each other. It is. Others. And and when we, when, you know, they do a phenomenal job there too. I mean, they just, the former commandant TR Buchanan helping out with that. And, and, and he was, he was uh, from that community and he was able to do those things. And, and now they have the new Marine commandant. So I'm sure Marines are getting, you know, visibility again and, and uh, I was there for for Chadwick, who was who was a slow. All interesting, all all good. And and I think if they utilize the resources that are there, they'll get the information to make the best decision for them and where they're going to go in their in their lives. And I always told some people too, if it's not your choice, if you wanted to be a doctor, and you have the great grades to be a doctor, but you ended up being a slow, well, go get your pin qualify as a surface warfare officer and there are opportunities later on in your career where you could do the lateral conversions and there's programs that are still out in the in the military you know navy overall that that recruit officers to go and be physician assistants or for whatever and you apply for those programs later but right now if this is what you're selected at go and do it qualify on it be the best at it and then continue on and doors open I love that you said that because I've met so many, not only officers, but enlisted that when it came time to re-enlist mm -hmm. or yeah. to extend their- When they're extending their contracts, when they're- yes, they're when they extend their contracts and yeah, to continue right. to be officers, they end up um, going to another, yeah, they end up going to another totally different area. Correct. The and, lateral and I think conversion. that's great. That's and a lot of people don't know conversion. that. They figure if I'm a SWO, I'm going to be a SWO for the next hundred years, yes. not realizing that, that, you know, after five years, you can go do, like you said, you can go yep. try to go to med school, do this, do that. Yeah. It's just an opportunity. I tell them, I go, the doors aren't closed. They've had their mindset on something. Their friends are doing it. They're going there. 
you know, those relationships that they've made at the academy over their four-year period. And they're like, but I had my heart set on, you know, being an aviator and going down to Pensacola and then going here. Okay, but now you're going to be a SWO and you're going to be on your ship before that person ever leaves Annapolis. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> because that's the fastest route to getting to the deck plate. But you, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 definitely. But, um, definitely. So then, then you have the other communities, you know, the SEALs. That's a heavily recruited place, uh, community, I should say. Uh, we have them on staff there as well. And if that's something that they're really interested in, hopefully their parents are already aware of that and, and, and pushing them um, to continue the workouts. To me, it's like, you know what the, the standard is, you know what the physical requirements are, be in that community. And if that's something that, that you're interested in, you should be exceeding those standards if, if you think you're gonna make it. Because if you're barely meeting that minimum as a standard, you're probably not gonna be selected for it. It's just like, I would tell people, you got accepted to the Naval Academy, knowing what our physical requirements were, and then you show up on fleet summer and you can't meet them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And somehow, so, somewhere in between, they pass the CFA too. So. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, know what you're looking at, know what the requirements are and exceed them and then you can get there. And so that's throughout your career. That's just not just for those things. But. Right, right. So we have SEALs and, and EOD is very similar to SEALs. Not yes. a lot of billets, very uh, physically demanding. And EOD is... Explosive ordinance. Just disposal. Disposal. There you go. And that's another community. And then you have things like the newer ones, like cyber warfare. There's a cyber warfare engineer that's a newer designation. Mm-hmm. There's information professional. There, there are just other areas that aren't as well known and they're more specialized, perhaps. Yes, that, I would agree. Can we say that? We can, yes. And and for those guys, I think they get to like over to Fort Meade. If they're interested in going that way, they can reach out to those that are assigned over to Fort Meade that are doing those jobs and they can dig into it themselves right there to make a decision if that's a community for them or not. Yeah. And I think there were some, I know 2020s friends of my daughter that were cyber that went directly into the cyber pipeline. All of this leads to service assignment. So at the beginning of first year, and there's, and sometimes there's a lot of, there's some confusion. So at the beginning of first year, they fill in their top six or so choices ranked in order of preference. So number one, two, three, four, five, and six. Right. And that's called service selection in a sense. They're just entering right. your top six in a computer. November 18th this year, or typically in November before Thanksgiving, you have service assignment. So can you talk a little bit about what service assignment is and what happens during that day? Again, you're not speaking for the Naval Academy. This is just from your experience and your opinion, but what is service assignment day at the Naval Academy like? That's that's another day that's, that's pretty unique uh, just for the military academies, uh, obviously, because once people find out what field they're going into, the, it's a color of a shirt, you know, you're going to get a t-shirt, red, you're going Marines, blue, you're going cyber, you know, I, I'm not positive on the coloring anymore. It's, it's been just a little bit over a year. <laughs> this color, you're going to be a SWO, this color, you're doing, you know, everything. And then there's a big ball that night, you know, in Dahlgren Hall, and everybody goes wearing their shirts, and everybody knows what you're going to be 
you know, assigned to. So then you get to see what all of your friends got and whether or not they got their first choice or their second or their third, if that's the opportunity. A company officer and a company SEL, along with the battalion officers, have made this a really special day in, in recent history up there as well. They'll do certificates. They'll, you know, some of them printing and paying for it themselves out of pocket to make sure that it's a special day for their company. And they'll call them in one at a time and they'll hand them the shirt uh, or whatever it is that they're giving them. And, and then the Marines all get together and there's a haircut party out in the hallway because, you know, the first thing the Marines do is shave their head. Uh, because <laughs> yes. <they're not> <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my, my son as a plebe was in charge, he was in fourth company, and he was in charge of planning all the events for, for post-service assignment activities. All the uh, sub-selects would bob for apples, like out of a big yes, bowl of out water. Of a big and the right. Marines, yeah, they got their heads shaved usually by plebes and very badly, may I say. Yes. And, um, and I forget, oh, aviation, they had to carry the ones that were going like NFO on their backs on the hallways Ooh. and they were pretending to be airplanes and just different. And it's fun. And each company does it in a different way. And, they and do. something, yeah, we say always it's company dependent and parents hear it sometimes because it makes everything so different. But each company celebrates it in the same way so agree so a very uh, special day and this is the moment that they've worked for right for the for the last four years I mean obviously commissioning but this is it this is where they're going to serve this is we're going to they're going to spend the next um, between two and five years of of their lives and their service in this community correct I think it's I think it's the first step in in first year um, as we're approaching the holidays and they get to go home, that it it starts to get real to them. Then after they know what they're going to be doing, the, the guest work and everything is now gone. And it's, I can now focus as if they weren't already focused, but you know, it, it's a, it's a phase. I can now focus everything into, this is what I'm going to do. And, and they're, they're excited. 98% of them, I think are truly excited that that's what they're going to do and especially if they got it on their you know the 91 ish percent they get on first or second choice so yeah once that algorithm is done with them and that selection's been made there's a lot of relief some people are extremely happy there's a few that might be a little sad but then you know you seek them out and you talk to them the company officers and SELs and and they make sure that they know all the things that we've already discussed and and then they have a big dinner and then they have the community dinners to celebrate them in which we bring in people from those communities to to have a dinner for them at night where they can ask questions of those that have been most recently on the deck plates in the fleet in those communities that they're going to and those are also great times mm -hmm. just the highlights of my my time at the academy we're going to the service selection dinners chip selection night and, and those things all leading up. I used to say that every event from November to December, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger all leading up to May. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's very so, true. I had asked my oldest actually recently, what advice would you give firsties as they move towards service assignment? And he said to be calm. And this is mm -hmm. something that you said as well, not don't act like your selection is a sure thing because it's not. 
and then to be prepared for an alternative, which is exactly everything that you've said here. And he's now five years in the fleet and he's saying the same thing. So we know that MIDS, you've been talking about the percentage uh, that uh, about 90, 91% get their first choice and they're ecstatic. That's what they've been working toward, gotten what they wanted, but there are those, as you've mentioned, that don't receive their first choice. They may not even receive their second choice. Very few though, that don't mm -hmm. receive their second mm -hmm. choice. What advice would you give to them and to their parents, the ones that don't get their first choice? To continue working hard and, and doing things that are required, you know, keep your grades up and everything. People still have to pass physicals to the communities that they've been assigned. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that doesn't happen, which then opens up a quota because we assigned via quota. So it's not over till it's over. It's, it's over in May. It's, it's actually starting in May, but it's over when, when you get the diploma in your hand, your college years are over and your career starts. And it's at that opportunity that, you, you know, you may very late February, March be getting a phone call that, hey, you know, we've got an opportunity for you over here because so-and-so dropped or so-and-so isn't going to graduate. And now I've got this available quota. So it's not the end of the world. And, and that's what I told them. Don't get so wrapped up on it. Just continue doing what you're doing. It's, it's, it's a kind of, I used to, you know, use it in a religious way. It's, it's in God's hands where mm -hmm. you're, you're going to go where you're needed mm -hmm. and make the most of it once you get that assignment. I think this class, class of 22, their parents might've remembered me from the stage uh, during plebe summer yes. where I said, welcome and thank you for raising your kids. <laughs> yes. We got them. They're now ours. <laughs> That's a, so, that's a tough, that's a tough chord to cut. <laughs> it's a tough chord, but for these young men and women now are definitely making their adult decisions on what they're going to do. And our families, all I can ask is, is support them on that. If dad is an aviator and the son or the daughter doesn't get aviation, he, he shouldn't be the first person to tell him, oh my God, you, you, you didn't get aviation, you know? Support, right. support, support, support. Right. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't make them true. feel like it's worse than than it is. Uh, and and that's hard sometimes because mm -hmm. you know we 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 do what we do. But be supportive. Tell your kids all the time to invest, save money. Don't spend those bonuses. You know, don't don't buy a house in Pensacola when you're only there for school, or San Diego when you're only there for school. But, but once you do finish all of your training and invest your money wisely and save, pay yourself first is what I used to tell people. If you get a, a condo or something in a Navy town, you'll always be able to rent it out and pay yourself first. So those are all big life decisions, I think, that we kind of sometimes forget, but we need to, to tell our, our kids to plan that way because they don't always think like that. And um, I remember both my oldest and my daughter and now my third one. My oldest is the one that started it. So he, he, he set money aside. Mm -hmm. he research, he was assigned to San Diego and he looked at the rent. He found out about utilities and he had all this money set aside to pay the deposit for the apartment, the deposit for the electricity, the deposit for, I don't know, every, everything else. So the move, um, cause he was going to have to move his car out. So he put money aside to pay for that. And, and so I think that's, that's kind of a smart way to do it, especially if you've taken out the career starter loan, right? Agree. Yes. 
And just to kind of start getting into that mindset that now I'm going to have to start being responsible and not that they're not responsible, but just kind of being on their own. And so that's something good to plan ahead. And the other thing that I would want to ask you about is for parents specifically, we're talking about, for example, service assignment in November, but in aviation, and I know this because uh, my second mid is, is going to find out on Monday. So they've already finished primary and on Monday they find out their platform. So now they're going to, then they'll go to that specific training for that platform. So whether it's yes. rotary or fixed or whatever, yep, yep. what advice can you give to parents? Because in essence, it's like starting all over again, right? So it we is, have service right. assignment, <laughs> oh, the joy of that. And now it's like, oh, the, you know, like what aircraft are there going to be in? And then the winging and that's just aviation. So each community, I guess the sub-community will have nuke school and finishing nuke school. So these, this is kind of like a cyclical pattern that repeats itself. And the academy, I think, has given us pretty good training for that. What advice could you give to parents about that part of the journey as they move into the fleet? Again, I'm going to say going back to supporting. You want to be able to be there for the things that are important to them, pinning, uh, uh, graduation, uh, you know, the the first first deployment when you're coming back and you're on the pier to, to see them. Or you're Those on the kinds. ship in a Tiger cruise. Oh yes. I now now as a now as a retiree, I'm like, okay, who do I know that's gonna have a tiger cruise so I can go out? <laughs> oh my gosh, I was and, and granted COVID has changed some things, so that may not reopen for a while, but I had a chance to sail back from Hawaii to San Diego nine de- nine days on oh my, my son's ship. And mm-hmm. to me, that is probably next to the birth of my children, that's right up there. <laughs> yeah. It's because you get to see and mm-hmm. experience what they do every day and, and, and sleep where they sleep and, and hear all the noises and, and aircraft taking off on carriers. And you're like, you sleep here? You're like, yes. Right. The first week yeah. I did it, yeah. but by the day eight, I could sleep through anything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And even the rocking of the boat. Like I remember oh, yeah. the first night I, I was like, what is going on? And then when I got off the ship, I missed the rocking. <laughs> See? Yes. It, it's it in, in the air, the whole, the whole thing. But yeah, these are people they they've been leading that yes. they've been working with and and there are so many young people even like outside of obviously of my son's department uh, because they're also really gifted in the way that they work and think and so many just wonderful young enlisted people that just give their all and are good at what they do whether yes. it's on the flight deck or whether it's down in the mess hall or what. And I think that's the hardest job, by the way, being in the mess. But yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I used to tell the, the kids that were there, and this is for Divos too. If you think about it, when you, your morning routine and who you see in the morning sets your day up. Hmm. And so the, my, one of my CEOs on the ship and I used to go down and we would tell the, the mess cooks, and the FSAs on the mess decks, hey, you know, smile, say good morning, um, be, be nice to people because you're the first person that they're dealing with during the day. And if you're not pleasant, then you're setting some people up for the rest of the day not to be pleasant. And so it's it's really important as a division officer, as a, as a Marine officer that's, that's taking care of a platoon, that you need to be asking, you know, do you have everything that you need? What can I get you to make your job better? What obstacles can I get out of your way to make sure that you're being efficient at what you do? And those kinds of things, because I think that'll, that'll 
go a long way uh, again on building those relationships with their subordinates. Absolutely. And that's the other thing, besides listen to your master chief, that I kind of talk to my kids about is that you need to learn to advocate for yourself at the Naval Academy. Because one day when you're out in the fleet or Marine Corps, you are going to be the advocate for the people you're leading. Correct. You are going to yeah. need to make sure that they have exactly what you said, what you, what they need to do their job. And if they don't, you're going to have to go out on the line and you're going to have to be their advocate. So if you can't advocate for yourself at the Naval Academy, how are you going to advocate for yourself in the fleet? And that mm-hmm. really got them like moving forward and, uh, and particularly my daughter being a self-advocate and it served sure. them well in the fleet. And then the other thing that I wanted to say is that, um, when I was on the ship on the Tiger Cruise, I saw how hard the, the mess deck crew worked. And every morning I would peek my head in and I would say good morning and thank them for the meals the last day. And I told them how delicious it and their faces would just beam. Yes. Um, so it, it's amazing to see how much one kind word or one word of encouragement can go to lift people's spirits. So thank you so much for saying that, Master Chief. You're, you're welcome. It's true. It's 100% true. Kind of as we begin to wrap up and as parents transition out into the fleet, kind of looking forward after commissioning, and I'm always kind of talking about OPSEC and chain of command. Uh, and of course, as parents, we're not in a chain of command. And as parents, we also have to observe OPSEC, so operational security. Can you talk a little bit about that as our, as the kids, as the midshipmen uh, commission and, and, and move out as officers into the fleet for parents, the importance of observing operational security and the chain of command? Sure, absolutely. The, the, well, for, for each of the, all the parents listening, I would say you're, you have to remember that you, you are representing leadership. Your son or daughter is, an, is going to be a Naval or Marine Corps officer. And therefore, if you're speaking about what they're doing, you should be reflective of that fact that they are the leader, the men and women that are below them. If, if you're speaking negatively, then you're, you're, you're probably speaking negatively about your son or daughter and in a certain way because the, the so sailors that they're leading are saying those kinds of things. So try to stay positive and knowing that if you are at a command function or you're out on a pier when the ship is coming in or on the flight line when a, when a squadron is returning, you have a role to also keep, uh, keep it clean and keep it professional, if you will. Um, that's the easiest way I could say that. Keep right. it clean and keep it professional. Thank God uh, when I was originally uh, in the military back in the day, we didn't have social media. <laughs> at Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat where, where people can release dates and times of movements. Right. It's, it's terrifying and it, it can be very, very bad. Uh, just think of the USS Cole and, and think of uh, any of the of other ships that in the past have been, been attacked because someone's known where they're at or what they're doing. And that takes planning. Right. And they pick up these bits and pieces of information based on what you're putting out about your son or daughter's movements, and it could put them in danger. Yeah. So therefore, go back to the old letter writing, send it in the mail on when you're coming home. Yeah. <laughs> but utilize also, utilize the command ombudsman. An ombudsman is the family network, and family 
network normally means spouse of service member, not parents of service members, though now, I have. Can they, can they add you to their uh, distribution list? Yes. yes. The Facebook pages of all of those units should have a link to a command ombudsman. And if you if if they want to reach out to the command ombudsman to get information on on gatherings while the ship is away or, or the squadron is away or the Marines, I think the Marines call it a family line or care, care yeah, line. Family, yeah, I, I have a friend who's, um, she, yeah, yes. Um, and, and, and they do the same thing, but at least there you can go and get information firsthand at a meeting at, a, at a, whatever, and, and you'll know what's going on without something being, being distributed out over social media. And you can plan things. They they do things with families while you're gone, so that if you're your son or daughter is married and have kids, there, there's things going on in the area that you can find out about. And sometimes grandparents like to go to things, parties and picnics and things like that. So I would say that try to if you would if you're that parent that wants to be that active, try that avenue. And and then again, just the importance of not posting locations or definitely definitely or, yeah. or what ship or what you know, what they're doing or, and I know that a lot of times it's a balancing act because we're so proud of our kids. Yes. And they're really, the, you know, they're, they're the less than 1% that are volunteering to serve our nation. Mm -hmm. um, and so sometimes we want to like get it out there and let people know, but really that's probably the worst thing you can do. It, you just have to hold it close. Like people would ask me, Oh, so where's your son? Oh, uh, you know, he's somewhere in the world. I have no clue. And, and they're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, yeah, just pray for him. <laughs> well, I can, I can tell you, I, I talked to a, a Submariner's family often. One of the good uh, two kids of theirs went through the academy. And um, one of their oldest, their son is on a submarine. And his mom is hilarious when she tells me, well, he's been gone two months and we haven't heard. <laughs> no news is good news. <laughs> and, and I'm like, yeah, that's because they're underwater and they're, they're not sending emails. You know, yeah. that's good. That's a good thing because yeah. they don't they don't want their position given away. Yeah. But um, it's it is it's, it's very true in that. I will tell you for the surface Navy and the aviation communities. Remain flexible on everything. Dates and get published. Yeah. Things are supposed to happen, and real world events preempt it. Semper Gummy. Uh, uh, yep. Just be flexible. Don't take yeah. it out on your your child or say we planned this vacation and you're supposed to be here. It's not their fault. Um, right. And things things happen, and so just always try to remember to be flexible. Yeah, our our son's deployment was extended by a month just at the, at the last minute. And that's why I like to say that the Naval Academy has prepared parents because we know that we have to remain flexible. We know that dates aren't firm. We know that that it's that's better good. to buy a ticket on Southwest because you can change it with no penalty, right? So <laughs> it, it continues out into the fleet. <laughs> yes. But anyway, well, awesome. Dr. Chief, thank you so much for being with me today for all the wealth of information for the mentoring of our young people. And I know that you'll probably continue even in your retirement to, to give advice to those which continue to reach out to you and just enjoy your retirement. <laughs> and thank, <laughs> thank you so you. much for being here. Any last parting words of wisdom? 
My, my pleasure. Uh, again, um, thank you to the parents who did amazing job in raising their children to be such great citizens, uh, to want to, to serve their country and to go through that great institution that we all love in Annapolis called the Naval Academy. I wish all of you the best of luck. I, I wish our football team the best of luck. Go Navy, beat Army. Yes. Um, we're, we're having a tough year, but you know, any given Saturday. How about that? Any given Saturday. <laughs> uh. <laughs> that sounds awesome. And then to, to wrap up, I'm just going to echo your words once again. So go Navy. Beat Army. All right. Woo.